You may need the assistance of your table of contents. Don't feel bad about that. I'll give you a little hint. It's after 1 Chronicles. Before Ezra. Sandwiched right in there. Good to see Mr. Kirby Hall here this morning. Would you stand a minute, Kirby? It's good to see you. Kirby serves with the United States Navy, and uh, he's home for a little while, so it's great to see him. I know some of you don't know that I can see that far from up here, but uh, Rich, I see you back there in the corner, so behave yourself. Okay. Well, for some weeks, uh, since the beginning of the year, we've been bringing you some messages, Pastor Matt and I, and uh, with the same title. You might think we need help being creative. That's not his fault. It's more mine. But you might think, oh, Pastor Cindy, you need a little creativity there, that uh, you need to kind of come up with a different, different uh, title. Well, I'm not going to. Because uh, the title that's there continues on with where I'm going today and in our messages, uh, God is speaking to you. You might think, well, I'm far too insignificant for God to speak to me. Uh, I'm not even on the radar when it comes to God noticing anything about my life. I'm just one of billions. You know what? God's God, and because he is, he can take notice of every single one of the billions that there are, and God has a word. He's speaking to his people today. He's speaking to you. I think it's it's pretty amazing, uh, amazing reality that the creator of the universe and the only one and true living God has something to say to you, and has something to say to me. That's just amazing. If you get into the word and you begin to see the majesty and the grandeur and the bigness of our God, how wise he is, how, how filled with grace and love he is, how magnanimous he is to think that he wants to funnel his attention down to me and to you, you know, just a fraction of his creation. It's pretty amazing. We've talked about how that the primary way that you and I are going to get a word or hear God speak to us is really through his infallible and inerrant word. Okay? I want to return for this to just a moment because we live in a day and an age where we're very susceptible to impressions. We're very susceptible to inklings and desires and words. And I use that carefully because God does bring words. Okay? But not every word is from God. You understand what I'm saying? And we have to be careful about saying God's given a word, okay? The word is the judge of a word. The word of God. And so you and I as believers in Christ and and wanting to have an ear tuned to his spirit better camp out here. This should not be one of other equal messages that come to us. This is foundational, And so our primary call to the body of Christ today is get back to and get entrenched in the Word of God. You might say, I'm not a reader. Well, then get some audio CDs. 
you know, have somebody read it to you. <laughs> you know, whatever. The thing is, we really don't have any other foundation if we cast this one away. If we don't immerse ourselves in the word of God, when difficulties come, our foundation is weak. When crisis comes, I was listening to a teacher this week talk about there's a difference between processed food and healthy, fresh food. Believers today are pretty much dedicated to processed food, not just in the natural, but in the spiritual. Let's just grab a piece of cheese. Now, I don't know about you, I can't eat something so tightly wrapped in plastic as a piece of processed cheese. But you know what? In a pinch, it'll do, right? If you're hungry, I just need something, grab a piece of processed cheese. So in a pinch, it does. And when we're in a pinch and we're in a moment and we need, we need a word from the Lord, from his word, something short and abbreviated can do, but we're not meant to live on processed food. We're meant to live on the word, the richness, the depth of the word of God. So I encourage you today, if you have a hunger in your soul and a hunger in your heart, I want to hear God. I want to hear God. He's here. He's here. He's here in fact, and he's here in a personal sense. You're going to know the factual, objective picture of God, but you're going to hear his voice here because we know the word of God is alive, living, and active, and extremely personal. Last week we talked about we can know the voice of God speaking to us through the Holy Spirit of God. You and I, if you have believed in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit has come to live inside of you. Ephesians 1.13 reminds us that the Holy Spirit has come to live within the believer as a seal, as a deposit guaranteeing our destination with God. Romans 8.16 talks about that spirit then within us testifying or saying, yes, you are a child of God. The witness of that spirit is crucial. I mentioned this last week. The witness of the spirit inside of your spirit that says, yes, you are a child of God is crucial. It's a mark of your salvation. If that witness is not there, I encouraged you last week and I say again, Make sure you're saved. Make sure you're saved. Saved is not church attendance. Saved isn't being raised in a Christian family. Saved isn't knowing the Bible. Saved isn't speaking verses from the Bible. Saved isn't singing worship choruses. Saved isn't doing good works. That's not saved. Saved is being born again by the Spirit of God coming into your spirit and making you alive. That's saved, my friend. And if you have a question about that, today could be the day of salvation for you. So the Spirit of God witnesses to our spirit that we belong to him. Last Sunday, um, we took some time just to let the Lord speak into our heart about the Holy Spirit. And I, I believe that the response last week was sincere and genuine from you. I really do. And for those of you that were here, two-thirds to three-fourths of the church said, I'm hungry for the Holy Spirit. 
to do something deeper in my life. There's not a lot of pastors, I think, that could see that happen in a church. I'm blessed. And more than I'm blessed, we are blessed. Because where there's hunger in the body of Christ for the Spirit of God, there's going to be movement of God because of the hunger. I encourage you today, that hunger that you sensed last week when we were together, stir up that flame in you. Encourage that hunger in you. Feed that hunger in you. Pursue that hunger in you. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit speaking into your heart, drawing you to the Word, drawing you to prayer, drawing you to His presence, drawing you to speak up in His name. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what He's designed to do. That's what His work is on the earth. So as He draws and works in your heart, don't put Him off. Don't have enough time. (laughs) You know, life's busy, don't have enough time. But, oh, Holy Spirit! Oh, Holy Spirit, come and do a work in my life. And he's saying, I'm trying. I'm trying. Give me space. Give me opportunity. Open up your heart. Open up your life. I'm working. I'm working. As God continues to speak to you and to this church, I want to talk about a doorway today that uh, you have to travel in order to hear the voice of God. There's a doorway that we have to go through in order for us to hear him and for us uh, to be heard by him. You know, doorways are important. You came in through several doorways today. Had we not had doorways in this building, you could have driven by and said, well, gee, I wonder what it's like inside of there. Uh, It'd be nice to know. I wonder what goes on in that building. There's just no doorway. There's just no entry point. There's just no way in Doorways are so important for us to be able to move from one place to another. And we're going to see what one of those doorways is to the presence of God. It's for 2 Chronicles 7. I know I told you to go to 2 Chronicles. Now move on over to chapter 7. Now, you Bible scholars out there, don't do the, well, I know where you're going with this today. Okay? Oh, no, you don't. I know what verse you're going to hunker down on. And you know what? I might. I might camp on a verse. But give me a chance. I'm going to pull something out of there that I think we need to hear today. Are you open? Open? Okay. Let me set the stage for 2 Chronicles 7 in just a minute here. This was a glorious time for the people of God. This is one of the high marks of Israel's history. This is one of those, yippee yahoo, I'm glad to be a child of God. I'm glad to be an Israelite today. This is just an astounding time. I'm glad I'm living during this period. I'm not living in in Egypt under 400 years of slavery. I am here at this moment because this was the moment that Solomon's temple had been completed. It had been accomplished. No longer would the people of God have a temporary and a portable tent of meeting. This temple, which took seven years to complete, at a current price tag of around a half a billion, I said billion with a B, billion dollars, now it's time to dedicate this temple unto God. It was one of the best times 
one of the best times in Israel's history. And at the culmination or conclusion of this dedication, the Lord speaks to Solomon, and he speaks to him these words. Let's start with verse 11. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal heal their land. Now my eyes, the Lord speaking, will be opened, and my ears attentive to the prayers offered, in this place. God is saying to Solomon here, when the hard times come, and notice, as we were reading, from whom the hard times come. Now, I'm not going to go there in this message today, but this could be a a theological dilemma for some. Where do hard times come from, and whose hand do they come through? I'm not going to answer those questions today. I'll just let you ponder them. The fact is, and you and I can nod our heads in agreement, hard times come. Ever been through any? Maybe you're in one now. The origin may be the Lord, as was in this case. Remember the rain, the difficulties of life fall on the good and the evil, the the just and the unjust. You know, life always doesn't happen as we desire it to happen. So in these times, God's saying in verse 14, that familiar verse, we don't want to overlook it, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. God gives us a doorway here for hearing his voice. Is it if my people, we've heard this preached before, mentioned before, yeah, God's looking at his people. He's not looking at the world. He's not looking at people outside of his identity. He's looking at his people. He's making this statement to the people who call him their Lord. If my people, well, we're not going to look at that part. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and pray. Pray. We've heard passages on prayer and the need for prayer and the call for prayer. Do we need to pray? Absolutely. Do we need to get to a place of full dependence on the Lord in prayer? Absolutely. That's not what we're going to talk about today. Is it turning from your wicked ways? Well, that's really needed. (laughs) A lot of God's people today are entrenched in wicked ways. Lovers of the world, following the promptings of the world, the agendas of the world, the nuances of the world. God's people today are riding the fence in many ways in their relationship with God in the world. Are we going to talk about that as a doorway today? No, 
we're not. What we are going to see today and talk about is the doorway for you and I to be able to hear the voice of God through his word or by his spirit is to humble yourself. To humble yourself. What does it mean? What is it to humble yourself? Dallas Willard, in his book, Hearing God, says it like this. To refrain from pretending we are what we know we're not. To quit pretending that we are something that we're not. Or to refrain from presuming a favorable position for ourselves. We deserve a position. We have a right to a position, and we presume that. Or to refrain from trying to override the will of others, to humble ourselves. Andrew Murray, who writes the book Humility, says, Humility is the disappearance of self in the vision that God is all. That's a good one. The disappearance of self in the vision that God is all. God is saying that if we want to hear him speak, it's wrapped up in humility. Ouch. Really, Pastor Cindy, couldn't you have picked one of those other phrases in that verse? Oh, I could have, and I tried. But as I was studying and reading and preparing, the Lord just kept going, humility, humble yourself. This is what I'm trying to say. This is the message that I'm trying to get across, that the doorway to hear God is through humility. Humility, my friend, is something that's recognized. It's not something announced. Okay? You totally strike humility from your life by proclaiming that you are. Get it? Oh, I'm such a humble person. Sorry, you failed. Humility is something that's recognized by others in you. Who recognized that Moses was humble? God. It was God in Exodus, actually Numbers 12, too, that said Moses was a humble man, a meek man. Who better to announce a characteristic over your life than God? God looked at Moses and said, Moses is a humble man. Humility is something you see in someone else. It's not something that you say, I am. There are recognizable qualities. There are signposts in the life of a person who is humble. One of them is, if you're taking notes, listening. Humble people, people who have humility, listen. To listen is to silence yourself. To silence yourself. How else can you hear the voice of God unless you're going to listen? How good of a listener are you? Listeners aren't talkers. Listeners are often quiet. They're the ones that make eye contact with you and hear what you're saying and hear what your heart is saying, and they're not anxious to jump in with what they have to say. 
you ever been there? I've been there. If they would just be quiet, I have something to tell them. Okay, I know what you're saying. And when you're done, boom, I've got something to land right on you that you need to hear. Oh, that was humble. That was, that was humble. Humility listens. And aren't we here talking about and concerned about hearing the voice of God? You've got to hear God's voice. You've got to be a listener in order to hear his voice. You've got to listen. James 1.21 says it this way, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Listening says... I am open, God, to what you are saying. I want to hear it, no matter what it is. And that's an important part of listening. I want to hear what you have to say to me, because it's so crucial that whatever it is that you say to me, I want to hear it, even if it's hard to hear. Wouldn't you rather hear a hard word from God than to be deceived in your own thinking? I would. I would. Because oftentimes when the Lord has spoken to me hard things, they've been for my good. They've been for my good. And the key to hearing that is being willing to say, Lord, I'm so interested. I'm so hungry. I want so much to know what you have to say that I'm open. I'm wide open. No conditions. No conditions on you, God. Even if you tell me the thing that I don't want to hear the most, Lord, if you're saying it to me, I'm open, I'm listening, I'm willing to hear. People who are humble are listeners. People who are humble agree with God. People who are humble agree with God. You know something today? God is right. Okay? Just want to establish that important truth in our minds today. God is always right. Oh, doggone it. Doesn't that just get you? You know, God is always right. I mean, always? I mean, if it's, if it's my attitude and my opinion and my thought and his attitude and his opinion and his thought, you mean as good as mine is, his is always right? Oh, Really? Maybe he'll change his mind over time. Maybe he'll give in. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll adjust his, his word to me. Maybe he'll, he'll augment his, his command. Maybe, maybe he'll just put an appendix on the end of, of the thing that he has to say. Maybe he'll put a footnote in there that, that can kind of just kind of put a disclaimer on what he said. Maybe, maybe, maybe he'll just make an adjustment. God's always right. He's always right. And sometimes what happens to us is we just, maybe we can, come on, God, budge. I'll just tell you today, God's not going to budge. And you know what? It's for your good. It's for my good. That God is who he is. His commands are true. His, His judgments are right. The way he has set things up is just the way he wants them to be. And as much as we push and as much as we we attack that, and as much as we try to go in the other way, his ways are right. His ways are right. I love Psalm 19. We used to sing it. The law of the Lord is perfect, 
concert, con, uh, converting the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. The way that God works, the, way, the things that he says, the commands that he gives, they're right. They're right. It would do us good to agree with them. It would do us good as his people to say, you know what? It's not my tendency, but what God says is right. It's not what I would prefer, but God is right. God is right. The humble agree with God. The proud fight. The proud push. The proud redefine. The proud try to accomplish things in their flesh. The pride of man pushes against God And yet God says in love, I'm right, agree with me, agree with me, and then you'll hear me. If you agree with me, my voice will become so clear to your spirit and to your heart. He's right about who he says he is. You know, God has the accurate self-assessment. Humility agrees with God about what he says about himself. He's right about what he says about himself. His commands are right. His promises are right. He's right. Pride says, I don't know. I know God really doesn't mean that. Pride says that was for another time and another place. Pride says, I don't have to go that way. God will understand. Humility says, God, you're right. I agree with you, even though it hurts. 1 Corinthians 1.9, if you know the verse, say it with me. If you confess your sin... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The operative words there are, if we confess. That word confess is rooted in the idea of agreement. If you agree with God about the condition of your heart, then he'll work on that heart and bring you to a place of righteousness. Agreeing with God is humble. Is humble. So first of all, a signpost, a marking of humility is listening. And really that plays out so much in our relationships with one another. How good of a listener are you? You might hear about that at the weekend to remember. Who knows? Secondly, agreeing with God. Agreeing with God. And then third, this morning, being able to say, I'm wrong. Oh, really? It's tough. I don't know the last time that you had to say that or that you should have said it, but you didn't. It's kind of hard to say. I'm... Just turn to the person next to you and just practice. Just turn, just turn to them. I know, you might think, oh, I'm sitting next to my husband or my wife. I can't. I'm wrong. Say it to the person. I am wrong. I am wrong. Say, I just want to loosen you up a little bit. I'm preparing you for humility. I'm preparing you for humility. Maybe this is the first time you've said those words in years. Being able to say, I'm wrong. 
humility can admit, I'm wrong. It's important in your relationships with one another. In fact, uh, if you will, put Matthew 5.23 on the screen because humility in relationships is so important that this is how Jesus talked about it. Okay? He said this. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, he's talking about church. Okay? He's saying if you come to church and you're doing worship and you're praying and you're shaking hands and you're having a good time at church and you're giving in the offering more than you've ever given before and you're singing great songs and the choir singing and all of church is happening and he says if you're doing all of that and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you let's go to 24 if we can what are we supposed to do I'll read it here. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. Wouldn't that interrupt church a lot? You know, we have everything so planned and programmed. And unfortunately, sometimes, but not too often, performed. This isn't performance. This is church. This isn't how good can we do things in front of one another. Do we want to do our best? Absolutely. When it comes to the moment, this isn't about my performance in front of you today. How good of a pastor is she? I'm not here to perform. So when you come to the altar, Jesus says, and you realize you have a relational problem with somebody, it's better that you quit singing, don't give in the offering. Oh, wait, maybe not that one. Quit singing, (laughs) quit praying, quit asking, oh God, come and speak to me. Guess what? He's speaking. Matthew 5, 23. He says, put your hands down from worship. Get up off of your knees from the altar. He's saying, you know, stop praying and go and be reconciled. Come together with your brother or your sister. That's more important than all of this worship stuff that's going on. Go be reconciled. Go work it out. Come together. Have the ability to say, I think I've been wrong. I've been wrong. Is there something between us? This is more important that we sing the right songs today. That I'm reconciled with you and you are with me. Humility comes down. Pride stands up. Well, you know, you know, they offended me. Now, wait a second. Uh, if your brother has something against you, leave your, leave your gift there in front of the altar and go be reconciled. If your brother has something against you, you go! Isn't that wild? Well, I'm waiting for them to come. That's not what the verse says. The verse doesn't say, stand there and wait for them to come. I, I'm waiting. You know what? You're going to wait a long, long, long time. You're going to wait a long time for someone to come. Because guess what? The work is happening in you. The work is happening in you for you to go and be reconciled. Humility can say, I've been wrong. 
And humility can go and say, I want to make it right. As the pastor, this is far more important than our worship time. This is far more important than our music. This is far more important than our preaching and our teaching and our Bible studies and our children's classes and our VBS and our outreaches and all of that. Because you know what? If we don't have a reconcilable body, we have nothing to export except brokenness. Humility says, what do I need to do? I'll do whatever to make it right. What is it? I'll do it. I'll do it. Humility, 2 Corinthians 7, 14, and I know the clock is there and it's ticking away. I'm not looking at it. 2 Corinthians 7, 14, as many good things are in that verse, the one thing the Holy Spirit's speaking out today. Will you humble yourself? Will you humble yourself? Each time the scripture talks about humility, it says it's something that we do to ourselves. Oh, God, humble me. Not a good prayer on a couple fronts. Number one, you don't want to be humbled by God. I mean, really. Seriously? Think about it. <laughs> scary. Very scary to think about God humbling you. I think God probably knew that. So every time that you look at the word humility or humble in Scripture, Paul says it, James says it, Jesus says it, the Old Testament says it, Second Chronicles 7.14 says it. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humbling is nothing that God's ever going to come and do for you. It's something that we have to do for ourselves. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and then he'll lift you up. Jesus even said in Philipp, or Paul said of Jesus in Philippians 2.8, and being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself. Jesus did. And became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus humbled himself. Here's some things to think about as we close. Take every opportunity to put yourself in a humble place, in serving, in listening, in seeing yourself the way God sees you. Put yourself there. Look for places in loving service. Look for places in relationship to come down. To come down, not to rise up. I know, and I have, and I do, and me, and I, and oh, knock the I off the throne and come down. Look for places to come down. I had a little experience yesterday where, uh, you know, if you ever preach or teach anything, beware. It's coming at you. You know, either it's preparing you for the moment or it's going to hit you after the moment. But I had, an, I had an opportunity yesterday. I was in a situation where somebody just disregarded me and my position. And my flesh wanted to go, hey, wait a second. Hey, you just wait a second there, buddy. Let, let me just correct you a little bit. 
uh, this is. And the spirit inside of me said, take the low road. It's not a big deal. You know who you are to me. That's all that's important. It's not important. Don't strive. Don't fight. Don't fuss about all that. Come down. Be like Jesus. Come down. Come down. Accept with gratitude everything God allows from within or without, from friend or enemy, in nature or in grace, to remind you that you need God. To remind you that you need God. Water always first fills the lowest places. The lower, the emptier a man lies before God, the speedier and fuller will be the inflow of God's presence. Oh God, I want you, I need you to come into my life. The doorway is to get down. Just like water flows into the the lowest place. You know, hopefully it won't happen this spring, but if water comes around your place of dwelling, your basement will know it first. Right? Why? It's the lowest place. We want the filling of the Holy Spirit. We want the water of the Spirit. We want the life of the Spirit. Where does that happen? In the lowest place. Not in the highest place, in the lowest place. If you feel, my friend, like you're being undone in life, like God is just undoing you, he's he's getting you ready to experience his Spirit by taking you to the lowest place. God is in the lowest place. Don't feel abandoned by God in the low place. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you're with me. Where is God with us the most? In the lowest place. Allow his spirit to come in to those low places. For my friend, humility is the doorway to hear God and for him to hear you. Hearing God isn't in a lofty place. Hearing God isn't on the mountaintop. Hearing God is in the lowest place. But we have to decide to take that place. We have to decide to humble ourselves so that we can hear his voice. Verse 15 of 2 Chronicles 7, I close with this. Here's the blessing. God says, now... After that humbling place is chosen, he says, now my eyes will be open. I'll be able to see you. God sees humility. He opposes pride. He sees humility. He says, now my eyes will be open. I'll see you. And my ears, they'll hear you. They'll be attentive to your cry that is offered in this place. That's the good news of being in a humble place of being a listener, of agreeing with God, of being able to say, I'm wrong, being able to be reconciled with brothers and sisters in Christ if need be, all of that takes you to the place where God says, you're on my radar now. I know exactly where you are, and I hear every cry from your heart because it's from a humble place. Let's pray. Father, you are continuing to speak to us. You're really trying to get our attention. 
some of us were running from that or we're not really that open. But Lord, you're patient. You're so good and you're so loving to us and you want so much to speak into our lives and you want so much for us to hear what you have to say. Because your words are life. Because your words are true. Because your words will put us on the pathway with you. Because your words will take us into a deeper walk with you. Lord, you are life. You are the source of all life. And Lord, you want that life to flow in and out of your people. You want your spirit to move within your people. You want your life to be experienced by your people. You want to refresh us and renew us. Many of us are dry and alone and isolated. And your spirit is speaking to us again and again and again. And you are saying, come down. Come down in your spirit. Come down in your attitude. Come down in your heart. Not to grovel. Not to beg, but to receive. To receive. For when you come down, I will lift you up. For when you come down, I will fill you in that place. Your relationship with me will become deep again, deeper still. So, Lord, you're saying to your people today, humble yourself. Humble yourself. As we're just waiting here in this moment before we close, I know for many of you, you're hungry for the Lord in your life to come by his word and his spirit in a new way, in a deeper way in your life. My friend, the doorway is humility. Will you take that way? Will you take that way? And this is not this is not a response time where anyone needs to stand or raise a hand. That defies the direction. Humility is heart. Humility is your decision to come down. And that decision, my friend, will be played out when we say amen here. Will you begin to come down? For that is where you will meet God. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that you are trying to get your word to us. And we receive. So Lord, I pray that this week, Father, as we leave this place, that in our living, we will do just as James admonished us to do. Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and Lord, we will see you then lift us up. Lift us up. For we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Will you stand?